How's everyone doing today? There were some good football games yesterday. I'm guessing there are some happy Ohio State fans here, maybe some, maybe some happy Michigan fans. Well, it's good to come together. I got to tell you, um, coming together on Sunday mornings, even just walking around the sanctuary, it's so good to see you all. Um, we are a family, and um, I'm just thankful to be with you this morning. And on the note of a family, uh, we have a new family member with us this morning. Um, Josh and Katrina Alsler over there, and baby Vera Louise is over there. Could you guys stand up and show Vera Louise off? Welcome, Vera, to our family. It's good to have you all. Uh, what, what a heroic thing it is um, to have a baby, right? My wife has had four of them. She's a real hero. <laughs> Um, and, and, but we're thankful that you guys are here with us, and uh, man, I, I'm, I'm just excited to, to be with you this morning and to be with the family. And so today we're going to continue talking about heroes. Um, we're going to continue to look at heroes um, through the biblical story. So far, we've talked about Noah um, and Noah's great obedience. We talked about Abraham and Sarah and how Abraham had this journey to grow in his faith and became the father of of nation of, of a nation, and then about Jacob, Abraham's grandson. And, and, and Jacob had to wrestle with God and had to wrestle with, with the things, the selfishness and the stuff inside him that, that kept complicating his life. And, and so we're going to continue on the story. I talked last week about the timeline, about how this is, this is the story of God's people, Noah and then Abraham and, and then Jacob. And, and now today we're going to talk about Joseph which we talked about Jacob last week. This week we're talking about Joseph, which is um, Jacob's, one of Jacob's sons. So Hebrews 11, um, chapter 11, verse 22 says this, By faith, Joseph, when his end was near, spoke about the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt and gave instructions concerning the burial of his bones. That's just, wow, <laughs> did you get that? Woo, what a hero. <laughs> that, jo Joseph is the next character, and, and honestly, like that scripture just doesn't do his story justice, but he is the next hero we're going to talk about. It said by faith that, that he spoke about the exodus of the Israelites and gave instructions concerning the burial of his bones. The, the, the two things mentioned there, they don't seem very heroic. But when we read through Joseph's story, I want you to understand that he was a real hero. And I want you to understand, not only that, each of these weeks as we talk about heroes, I think that, that there are things in our lives that hopefully we can relate with these, these characters. The truth of the matter is, we're all called to be heroes of the faith. And so we're called to be obedient like Noah. We're called to have a journey to, to, to grow in our faith like Abraham. We've got to wrestle and get past ourselves and Joseph today, I believe that, that there's something about him, there's a lot about Joseph that I think is, is really important for us to understand today. And I'm just going to go out on a limb and say that I think there are some people here this morning that are going to really relate with Joseph's story. I think we will all relate with it at one point or another, but, but I want to talk about what, what made Joseph's faith so heroic. And, and so just watching that video, you know, we've got that kid kicking and punching and when we talk about being heroes, we typically don't think about difficulty and pain and struggle, do we? 
That kid that's, that's running around punching, he's, he's thinking of how great it would be to be a hero, how he can conquer everything, and he's not thinking about trouble and pain. And, and I think that's true of our faith as well. When we come to Jesus, as we grow in our faith, we don't expect, we don't, we don't look forward to moments of pain and struggle. But what we see in Joseph's life is that heroes of the faith, it's not always perfect. It's not all, you're, as a hero of the faith, as someone who follows Christ, it's not that life is always going to work out perfectly in every way for us, but Joseph's story is very different. Joseph goes through a lot of stuff. And so today we're going to work through his story, and I want to point out some things that I think will be important for us to understand and hopefully will encourage us, whether we're in his spot or, or whether things are great. I believe that all of us will experience struggle and pain. How many of you have gone through something in your life or a time in your life where you just struggled and, and you questioned, am I by myself, and you hurt? Joseph went through that. But he was a hero of the faith. So I want to I run through his story fairly quickly. The truth is Joseph's story is one of the, the longest stories in the book of Genesis. Through all of these heroes and their stories, Joseph's is, is the one that takes up the most space of all of them. So there's something here we need to know about. And so let's look through it. We talked last week about Jacob, and, and Jacob, through, through his struggle, he went to Laban's house, and, and Jacob fell in love with Laban's daughter, Rachel. But then Laban deceived Jacob, and he ended up having to work and ended up marrying both of, Jacob ended up marrying both of Laban's daughters, okay, Rachel and Leah. But he really loved Rachel. Now, through Jacob's life, he ended up having 12 sons, which would go on to become the 12 tribes of Israel. Okay, so we talked about Abraham and God was going to make him a great nation and Jacob was the next piece in that. And, and, and through Jacob, then Joseph came and he was one of these 12 tribes. And so there were 12 sons, but only two of them were Jacob and Rachel's sons. So Jacob loved Rachel with everything and they had two sons together, Joseph and Benjamin. And Joseph was the favorite. How many of you were the favorite in your family? Go ahead. Well, man, that's not many. We, we, got a lot of, we got a lot of black sheep in the congregation, huh? We always joke. I mean, my sister thinks she's the favorite. She probably is. I, I, my brother probably thinks he's the favorite. He probably is. I don't think I'm the favorite. I'm probably not. <laughs> But, but Joseph was the favorite. He was his father. He was Jacob's favorite child, and it was obvious. In fact, it was so, he made it obvious. Jacob gave Joseph a special coat, like a, like a hey, you're my favorite coat. Like, this is, I want to bless you. So he gives them this special coat, like something that differentiates him from the other children. Now, I've got four boys, and if I give one boy something special, we're going to have trouble. And so Joseph was the favorite. He had a special place in Jacob's heart. But, but not just that, then he gets these dreams. So, so we've got the favorite child thing going on, and he's got this fancy coat, and you know, he already, I'm, I'm sure his brothers are already angry about this, but then he has these dreams, and in these dreams, he sees that his brothers and his parents 
are going to bow down to him. That's big stuff. He sees, so he's the favorite, and then all of a sudden God shows him these dreams where people are going to bow down to him. His brothers, the ones that are not the favorite, have to bow down to him. And, and what, does, what does Joseph do? Like any good brother, when, when they think they've got something on their brothers, what does he do? He goes and he says, hey guys, check this out. I had a dream and you guys are going to bow to me. Take that. That doesn't sit well. This, this plays out every day at my house, not with the dream and all, but like brothers getting jealous of each other. And so Joseph, I, I think this is one of the, 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 the big mistakes we see in Joseph's life is he, he becomes arrogant from being the favorite and from these dreams. Well, his brothers, um, they did not take that well. I mean, clearly God had some big plans for Joseph, but, but then through sharing that and kind of rubbing it in, and I don't know if he was being arrogant or if he just didn't get it, but he shares this with his brothers, and his brothers didn't take it well. And so what did they do? They came after him. They, they plotted, it actually says they plotted to kill him. That's, I don't think he did anything worthy of being killed by his brothers. I don't think it was that egregious, but, but he shared these dreams. God had big plans, and then his brothers decided they'd had enough of him, so they decided they were going to kill him. And then, instead of killing him, they decided to throw him down in a pit. And so he's in this pit. And then, the, 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 the Midianites come along, and his brothers think, hey, we're, we don't have to kill him. We threw him in this pit, but we could make some money off of him, so let's take him and let's sell him as a slave to the Midianites. So what we see is that Joseph is the golden child, the favorite. We see that God has big plans for Joseph. And, and next thing we see, he's being sold into slavery by his own brothers. And so Joseph is now a slave of the Midianites. And then the Midianites go on and then they sell him to Potiphar, a, a high official. And so Joseph is now the slave of Potiphar. In Genesis chapter 39, verses 2 to 4, I want you to hear this. It says this, The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered. And he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. And when his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Does something not match up there to you? It says the Lord was with him. We're talking about a guy who, who was the golden child, the guy who God had big plans for, and what happens? He's sold into slavery. He's almost killed by his own brothers. He's sold again. He finds himself in this difficult place, and what we read in, in verse 2 is that the Lord was with him so that he prospered. And so Joseph, through, through being faithful, through serving, Potiphar sees that the Lord is with Joseph and that Joseph is a trustworthy guy. And so Potiphar takes him and he puts him in charge of most of his possessions. And so I just want to stop here and say, so far it doesn't seem like Joseph is favored, right? How many of you, if you were sold into slavery by your siblings, almost killed, and if you went from being the golden child to being a slave, how many of you would feel like you were favored by God? Joseph doesn't seem like he's favored, but even in the midst of enslavement, we see that the Lord is with him, and it seems like he's being taken care of. 
He's gone through this terrible ordeal, but things are starting to get better now, right? He's faithful. His brothers sold him into slavery. He's faithful. He ends up with Potiphar, and, and he does the right things. And so Potiphar puts him in a position of leadership, and things are starting to look up for him, right? Well, then Potiphar's wife sees Joseph, and it says that he was a good-looking man. How many of you are good-looking men out there? You guys are arrogant. Don't do that. The brothers might throw you into a pit. Um, and, and so he's put into this position, and, but Potiphar's wife, he, he, Potiphar respects him and puts him in this high position, and, and Potiphar's wife sees him and is interested. And so she comes after Joseph, and, and she wants Joseph, but Joseph is faithful and does the right thing, and he says, absolutely not. Your husband trusts me, and I'm a man of God, and I'm not going to do that. And so, so he does the right thing. Well, she didn't take that very well. And she decided in frustration that she was going to accuse him of coming after her. And so she goes to her husband, Potiphar, and says, Joseph, the guy you have working for me, is making a sport of me. He came after me. He's, he's trying to force himself on me. And so once again, we see a situation where Joseph has been faithful, he's sold into slavery, he's faithful, he's put in a high position, Potiphar's wife comes after him, accuses him, and what we see next is that he is thrown into prison. Potiphar believes his wife and throws Joseph into prison. Once again, it doesn't seem like he's favored, does it? He did everything right. He was faithful. It even said that Potiphar could see that the Lord was with him. It, it seemed like he was the golden child, the, the future, right? And once again, he ends up in prison. I just want to stop here and say that I'm going to guess that there are some of you in here this morning that feel like you're doing everything right, that feel like you're following God, that feel like you're, you're, you're doing your best, and it seems like you keep finding yourself going into a pit. You keep finding yourself in trouble and struggle. And you don't understand it. And it's supposed to be easier, right? I'm just going to guess that there are some... I know that there are some of you in here that feel like even though you're being faithful and doing what's right, you're ending up in struggle over and over again. Maybe... Maybe you're just, maybe you're walking in faith, maybe you're growing in faith, but it just seems like things aren't right, people aren't treating you right, things aren't going well for you. Maybe at work, you're faithful, you're honoring God, you're doing what you're supposed to do and being obedient, but, but you're being treated poorly. I'm going to guess that there are some of you in here that can relate with Joseph and that he, he did everything right, but it seemed like... He was out of favor with the Lord. Once again, he finds himself in a difficult position. And so we read again in, in Genesis 39, this is verses 20 to 22, it says this. But while Joseph was there in prison, look at these next words, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in the prison, and he was made responsible for all that was done there. So once again, Joseph's been faithful. He's done the right thing. He ends up once again in the pit. And it says the Lord was with him. Are you getting a theme here? Even though it seems like things are going poorly for Joseph. 
The Lord is with him. I want you to hear this. The presence of pain and difficulty in your life does not mean the absence of God in your life. If you're going through it, if you're having a hard time at work, if you just feel the struggle, if it seems like life is full of difficulty and like you're cursed, that does not mean that God is not with you. What we see with Joseph is even in the struggle, the Lord is with him. The presence of pain and difficulty in your life does not mean that God is absent. I think one of the hardest things in our lives is when things don't go well, to be faithful and obedient. I remember growing up when things didn't, when I felt like I was doing everything right and things didn't go my way, my response was, well if, well, if I'm doing everything right and it's not working out, maybe I should quit doing everything right. Or maybe I should rebel, maybe I should do it my own way. Maybe I, we don't see that from Joseph. But if we're honest, our first inclination when we struggle is to take matters into our own hands and to rebel and to go our own way. Some of you might find yourself in a place right now where you want to give up. You want to take matters into your own hands. You want to do it your way. You want to rebel because it just doesn't seem like it's working out. But what we learned from Joseph, and this is huge, is that God is always with you. If you're in a place this morning that you are struggling and you are in the pit... God is with you. Please hear that this morning. It may seem like God is against you, but God is with you and God is for you, even when you can't see it. And so if you're in that, in that place today, I just want to say, don't give up. Don't give up. Don't make the mistake of thinking that God is against you, but trust God and be obedient. Things might not always go your way, but God's promise is that if you will be faithful, God is with you. And ultimately, we know that in the end, God wins triumphs over evil and death. And so if you're in that spot today, God is with you? How did he walk faithfully? How could he possibly continue to be obedient? How could Joseph possibly continue to be faithful to God when it seemed like, when it seemed like everything was going poorly? I saw a couple quotes here, and it's from a guy named John Bloom. I was reading an article. Listen to these. Sometimes faithfulness to God and his word sets us on a course where circumstances get worse, not better. Have you experienced that? That following God sometimes can set you on a course to where things get worse, not better. It is then that knowing God's promises and his ways are crucial. Faith in God's future grace for us is what sustains us in those desperate moments. So you may see struggle, you may seem like you're in the pit, but I want you to understand that if you know who God is, and if you know God's promises, and if you know God is with you, and you know that God wins, you can have faith to be obedient in the struggle. He goes on, and he says, our current circumstances, however dismal or successful, are not our stories end. Do you understand that today? Maybe you're struggling today. This is not the end of your story. Maybe you're doing great today. This is not the end of your story. They are chapters in a much larger story that really does have a happily ever after. 
And that's that God is greater than anything in this world. And God's kingdom is coming. And if we will be faithful and we will be obedient, we will have eternal life with God. So when we get that, it empowers us to walk through difficulty. I, I hear it all the time about my mom. How does she do it? How does she hang in there? You know how she does it? She knows God's promises and she knows God's with her. And if we will know who God is, we'll have the strength to face whatever we have to face. Our current circumstances are not the end. The end is a happily ever after. See, knowing God leads to faith, leads to the right attitude, leads to obedience, leads to future grace and future promises. The story goes on. So jo Joseph finds himself in prison, but he's faithful, he's obedient. The story goes on and and he meets two people, a cupbearer and a baker, and he, they have dreams, and they, they say, we've got these dreams, we don't know what to do with them. And, and Joseph interprets their dreams, tells them what they're all about. And he says, just remember me. It's simple. Hey, I, I did this for you, just remember me. And we see that in Scripture, those dreams play out exactly like Joseph said. That's a big deal, right? If you had a dream and someone interpreted it and said, just remember me, and then that dream happened exactly like they said, they're going to remember you, right? But they didn't. And the cupbearer forgets about Joseph when it really matters. And, and what we see is that he spends another two years in prison because the cupbearer forgets. Once again, we see that Joseph is faithful. He's doing everything right. Boom, another two years and struggle. He's got some bad luck, doesn't he? Well, then all of a sudden, Pharaoh has a dream. And Pharaoh doesn't know what to do with this dream. And, and so he says, I, I don't know what this dream means. And all of a sudden, that cupbearer, two years later, remembers Joseph and remembers his ability and connects the two of them. And so Joseph comes, and after letdown, after letdown, after pit, after pit, after struggle, after struggle, Joseph finally comes to Pharaoh, and he interprets his dream. And, 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 and Pharaoh says, wow, this guy has something. And so Pharaoh puts him in charge of everything. And in fact, it says he would be equal to Pharaoh except for the throne. So Pharaoh sits on the throne, but other than that, they have complete equal power. So finally, after all of this struggle, Joseph is elevated to this, this high place. In that dream, uh, um, Pharaoh saw what, what Joseph interpreted was that there was going to be a famine. And so he interprets that dream, and all of a sudden it starts to come true. And so Pharaoh puts Joseph in charge of everything. And we see that Joseph is finally in that spot. So it's gone really poorly, and what has Joseph been? He's been faithful. And now it's going great. So how does he respond? There's a famine in all the land, and all of a sudden his brothers and his family need to eat. So his brothers, ten of them, Come to Joseph, who's in charge of all the land. They don't know who he is. They don't recognize him. And they, they beg him. They bow before him. Remember that dream that your brothers will bow before you? They bow before him, and they beg for food. Man, as, as a brother, as somebody with siblings, when your siblings mess with you, when they're mean to you, don't you just dream of this moment that you get the upper hand, that, that you have total control over him, 
He's up now. And how does he respond? He's kind to them. He's faithful to them. And it says that he, he gives them food and he takes care of them. And finally, after a lot of different things go on, he reveals himself to them. He's so overcome with remote emotion that he has to tell them who he is. And so he says, I'm Joseph. The story goes on. I know I'm skipping over a lot, but the story goes on. And, and Jacob, after Joseph has been reunited with the family and sees him again, Jacob, his father, passes away. And at that point, the brothers are scared. Because they think Joseph was just being nice to them because dad was still around. But once dad's gone, everything's going to hit the fan, right? And so they're scared. That brings us to Genesis chapter 50. So he was faithful when he was in the pit. How's he going to handle being at the top? Genesis chapter 50. At verse 15, when Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, what if Joseph holds a grudge against us and pays us back for all the wrongs we did to him? So they sent word to Joseph saying, your father left these instructions before he died. This is what you are to say to Joseph. I ask you to forgive your brothers the sins and the wrongs they commit in treating you so badly. So they lie. Now please forgive the sins of the servants of the God of your father. When their message came to them, him, Joseph wept. His brothers then came and threw themselves down before him. We are your slaves, they said. Listen to this last part. This is so amazing. This is my favorite part of Joseph's story. But Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. To accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then, don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And he assured them and spoke kindly to them. This is incredible. These are the brothers that threw him in the pit. He's got them. He's been faithful through all this misery. Finally, he's lifted up and his brothers come and, and they beg. And he says, you know what? You tried to kill me. You sold me into slavery. You put me into this mess. But God used it for good. Man, if we could just get to the place where when we're at the bottom of the pit, when we're struggling, we can be faithful and we can understand that God is working for the good. I want you to know this morning that God is working for the good no matter what you're feeling or experiencing and you want to talk about a hero. Joseph had every reason to hurt, to be selfish, to take matters into his own hands, but he didn't. He honored God by forgiving and showing love and showing grace to his brothers. There's a popular saying, and it explains why people treat each other so poorly. It's this, hurt people hurt people. So the saying is, hurt people hurt people, that when you are hurt, the people that hurt you are probably dealing with some hurt in their life. And so when you're hurt, typically we would take that and we would use that to hurt others. I want you to understand that with God, that doesn't have to be the case. You can be redemptive. God can be redemptive through you, even in your greatest pain and struggle. You can honor God and you can love others even when you're in the deepest pit. And so I want you to hear this this morning. Hurt people hurt people is what they say. I want you to hear this. Hurt people can love people when God's plan 
is bigger than theirs. That's the story of Joseph, a guy that was hurt, that was, that was thrown into a pit, that was sold into slavery, that, that over and over again found himself in a bad spot. But he didn't hurt back. He didn't take matters into his own hands. He trusted God because he knew God's promises. And redemption happened through his obedience and his faithfulness. So this morning, good news. It doesn't matter if you're in a pit this morning. It doesn't matter if things seem like they're going against you. God is with you and God is working and so you might be tempted this morning to say, oh, everything's going to work out. You're saying that things are going to work out perfect. I mean, look at all of these heroes. Look at Joseph. He ends up on top, right? And Abraham, he becomes a great nation. And, and Jacob ends up being the father of the 12 tribes. And Noah ends up being saved. Obviously, if I follow God, everything's going to work out. The way. You just have to go through that tough time, and then God's going to lift you up, right? But the truth of the matter is, the truth of the matter is that that's not always the case. See, the prosperity gospel that we hear preached way too much is that if you will be obedient and you will be faithful, God will give you everything you've ever wanted and God will make you powerful and rich. But that's not always the case. Is God going to bless you here on earth because of your faithfulness? Are you going to become rich? Are, are you going to have prosperity? The answer to that question is, Yes and no. Maybe God will pull you out of the pit and will restore you to a place of greatness. Maybe God will turn around the things in your life that are hindering you. But maybe not. What we need to understand, that wasn't, Joseph wasn't faithful because he thought someday he would be over his brothers. Joseph was faithful because he knew God was with him. And at the end of the day, it wasn't about his circumstances. It was about God's kingdom. And so when we're called to a heroic faith, it's not so that we can come out on top. It's so that we can honor God. It's not so that we can be glorified. It's so that God can be glorified. I want to go down and I want to read Hebrews 11 later down in it after this whole list. In verse 32 it says, And what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, about David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped to the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned into strength, who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies, women received back their dead, raised to life again. That's all great, right? That's the prosperity. We're going to get what we need. But listen to the next verse. There were others who were tortured, refusing to be released so that they might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging and chains and even chains and imprisonment. Some were put to death by stoning. Some were sawed in two. Some were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and in holes in the ground. I want you to hear this. I, I, listen, this is glue. If I wanted to be a megachurch preacher, I'd just tell you that everything's going to be great for you. But I want you to hear God's word. Being faithful to God doesn't mean you're going to be rich. Doesn't mean you're going to be a king. Doesn't mean you're going to rule over everyone else. It means that in the end, you have the eternal promise of God's love and spending eternity with God. 
You may, listen to me, this is tough. I'm sorry I have to say this to you, but you may never crawl out of the pit here on earth. But God will glorify you in the end. People didn't always come back from these difficult circumstances. But God is with you. God is working. And if you know God's promises, you know that in the end, God's kingdom will come and you have the opportunity to have eternal life through Christ. The mistake of the prosperity gospel isn't, isn't that it's just pumping. The, the mistake of it is that it's selling you short because riches and greatness and power are nothing compared to God's eternal presence and God's kingdom becoming real in your lives. And so I want you to hear a couple more things. Faith is not about overcoming your circumstances. Faith is about trust in God that leads to Christ-likeness no matter the circumstances. Faith is about being obedient to God no matter what. It's not about me being glorified. It's about God being glorified. Our reward is eternal. Being a hero of the faith is not about our glory. It's about God's glory. And so this morning, I don't know where you're at. I don't know if you're in the pit. I don't know if you're up on top. But I want you to hear this. God's call is for us to be faithful and obedient no matter the circumstances. And the goal for us should be that regardless of whether we're down in the pit or we're on top, we have the same faith to trust in God and to want to see God work and to want to see God's kingdom come. And so that's where we need to be today. To have the faith of Joseph, that in the pit, we're still faithful. When we're on top, we're still faithful. We're still loving. We're still gracious. We're still forgiving. Man, if we could just get there, church, if we could just get to the place that when people hurt us, we trust God so much that we bless them back. That when we're in the deepest spot, the deepest pit, we could trust that God is with us and know that God is working. I got good news for you today. God is with you. God is working, and God's kingdom will come. Whether you experience the prosperity here on earth, you will in heaven. And so this morning as we wrap this up, I just want to challenge you to live out your faith obediently and boldly, to trust God through everything.